Hello and welcome to the Future Father Dave podcast. Join me, a Catholic seminarian, each week as I share the story of my vocation and prepare to embark upon the journey of a lifetime as a Catholic priest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future Father Dave podcast for another episode. I am recording from Kingsport, Tennessee this week, and tomorrow I will officially make my way to St. Meinrad to begin my formation. So very, very excited about that and looking forward to arriving at the Glen Mary House of Studies tomorrow. I have taken this past weekend to visit with some old friends along the way. Uh, I stopped in Rock Hill on Friday and visited with my old roommates as well as some people from St. Mary's, the church that I attended there in Rock Hill. And then I have spent the last two days here in Kingsport visiting with some friends from college. And then tomorrow I will make my way over to Meinrad. So really looking forward to that and can't wait to share this next episode with you. I have a great interview lined up this week with Father Dan from Clemson. He was my priest at St. Andrews in Clemson, and he is still serving as pastor there at St. Andrews, and he has a lot of great wisdom to share. So looking forward to sharing uh, his insights with you, and I will go ahead and jump into a prayer and then our Rosebud Thorn segment. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for, again, all the wonderful people that you've placed in my life and this opportunity the last several days to uh, reconnect with some old friends and to see them for what's probably going to be the last time in a while. Um, I'm looking forward in anticipation for all the wonderful things that you will do at at St. in over the next several months. I'm looking forward to the people that I'm going to meet, and I pray that doors will open for me to impact hearts and minds. Uh, I pray for an openness and a willingness to learn and to uh, be touched by your word as I enter into seminary. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so with that, I will go ahead and jump into my rosebud thorn for this week. So my rose from this week was actually occurred this afternoon. I was playing disc golf in Kingsport with a friend with my friend Mickey from college and I almost got a an ace, a hole in one. There was a hole that went way downhill and we were at the top of this hill and I threw it and the disc curved left and curved back right and missed the basket from about 300 feet by about less than a foot. And I was very thrilled. It was one of the best shots I think I've ever thrown. And I've played a lot of disc golf, so that's really saying something. And I've come close to getting hole-in-ones before, but never anything like that. And it was just such a cool feeling. So that was really cool. And so that was probably my rose for the week. Uh, My bud for the week is uh, I'm looking forward to 
arriving at St. Meinrad tomorrow. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and I think I'm definitely ready for this next step in my life. So been looking forward to it for a while, and I'm excited to have that finally be a reality to be able to step foot on campus tomorrow. So looking forward to that. And my thorn from this week was that, unfortunately, we had a death in the family this past week. Uh, my mom's cousin's wife died, uh, unfortunately. So uh, please pray for the Misko family uh, as they are dealing with a loss in their family. So, but yeah, so that is the Rosebud Thorn. And now I will jump into a, my interview with Father Dan. So we are live. So uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Um, today I have joining me uh, Father Dan from uh, Clemson, South Carolina, and he is the priest at St. Andrew's Catholic Church in Clemson. So welcome, Father Dan. Good to be with yep. you. Good to be with um, so first of, first off, I would like to uh, kind of give our, our listeners a, a background on you. Uh, so if you could explain... Um, who you are and, and what you do here at Clemson. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Well, I'm a long way from home. I grew up in a small town outside of Boston and um, over the years have uh, lived, worked, studied uh, up, and down the, uh, up and down the East Coast. And I seem to be working my way uh, from north to, north to south. Um, I'm a Franciscan and I ended up in Clemson um, at because we had been asked by the bishop to uh, um, to provide staff for you know for, for St. Andrew. And uh, the friar that I live with now, Father Bob uh, Menard, was here as campus minister. And um, so when the pastorate was opened uh, by virtue of the division of the parish, um, they looked to our, you know, to our province of Franciscans, our group of Franciscans, to did we have a, a friar who was able, willing to, to come. At that point, I was in Durham, South Carolina, finishing up, finishing up a, a, a stint there as, as, as pastor and um, loved it there. It was a big parish, over 3,000 families, large Latino community, big school. It was really a, a wonderful people. Um, but I thought that the uh, more and more it became clear to me uh, that the uh, the pastor really needed to be bilingual. And while I could celebrate the sacraments in, in Spanish, it was very difficult for me to carry on conversations and really provide for people as they as they needed to be. Yeah, so the and the... um, that's going to be kind of an important element in my own ministry with Glen Mary, as a lot of the parishes that they uh, serve have large Hispanic. Uh, population, so that's something that. And one of the I'm, things that I learned, uh, you know, about this, it's one thing to be able to provide the sacraments, and and to uh, to a certain degree, that's not difficult because again, guys like me are able to, especially if you've had any kind of Latin background, you're able to after a while you read it and and pronounce it halfway decently and so forth. But it's another thing when people want to sit down and talk, when people want to go to confession and and so forth. You. Uh, you really have to be uh, you have to be able to uh, 
to speak a language such that you meet them, you know, heart to heart and mind to mind yeah. where, they, where they are. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's interesting to hear that was your experience there. Um, and that's definitely something that I'll have to, um, to consider in my discernment with Glenn Mary um, is whether or not I'm, I'm up for that challenge as well. Um, because that's a significant part of their ministry, as I said. Um, so. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I the one of one of my uh, one of my associates in Durham uh, was uh, was eager to stay there and uh, was willing to become pastor, and so I uh, jumped at the opportunity then to come uh, come south. When I was first ordained about forty seven years ago, I was in Boston, and one of the activities there that I got involved in was campus ministry, and liked it, and. Uh, Enjoyed uh, student and students and uh, just the whole academic scene as a as a sort of a playing field for for evangelization and uh, and so uh, Clemson seemed to be you know just the ideal place and I think it's turned out to be certainly from my point of view uh, I've been here ten years now and uh, have enjoyed it and uh, uh, I look forward to staying for you know. Maybe not yeah. 10 years more, but uh, certainly. Yeah, certainly years. St. Andrews does a great job of engaging students on campus. Uh, that was definitely my experience. As a student here, y'all were, y'all were extremely welcoming uh, through the Catholic Student Association. We had um, weekly dinners. Uh, that's where I met uh, a lot of my, my best friends uh, during college was through the, the Catholic Student Association. Um, and... Um, well, I went on retreats and all sorts of different things. Um, so could you kind of touch on some of the different ministries that, that the Catholic Student Association still does uh, for students here at Clemson? Still does, still does all of those. Uh, for the past couple of years, we've had uh, focused missionaries here, and they've uh, added to what the uh, Catholic Student Association has been able to offer in terms of Bible studies and so forth. And... Um, and also a presence on campus that is has been more extensive than in, in years past. So that's been a gotcha. You know, that's been a, a, a plus. And uh, so I think that I think that <clears throat> excuse me the uh, the parish continues to be true to its origins. It was founded as a campus ministry and then sort of morphed into uh, the larger parish, <clears throat> but has always kept uh, attention to uh, the university community, whether it's students, faculty, staff, and so forth. Um, Kept, awesome. uh, kept those constituencies going to, you know, in yeah. mind as uh, people were serving and, and, and what it is, how do you pastor a particularly an academic, you know, community? That's always yeah. a, a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, certainly in the academic uh, sector, they kind of have a reputation for being, uh, having a much different way of thinking than, than traditional values in the church. Um, and so that can sometimes be be tough to battle, even in a place like Clemson, where you're you're in the Bible Belt, and most people are Christian. You still run into some of those um, countercultural or um, anti-Christian uh, values well, and ideas. It's also just just challenging. I mean, one of the uh, the uh, revitalizations uh, of of university life uh, in the Middle Ages was a work of the church. And church has always been, you know, at the heart of uh, using the mind in order to, uh, you know, to appropriate the message of the uh, uh, of the gospel and to uh, absolutely, you know, help us understand the world that we live in, so that 
you know, uh, we can see how it is that that, uh, that world uh, yep. can be invigorated as, you know, by us, who are supposed to be salt, light, you know, leaven to, to, to raise that. I and certainly it's... many of the, the greatest discoveries in, in so many different fields were, were discovered by, you know, uh, Catholics and other religious people. So there's that as well. Um, yeah, I think that the, uh, you know, uh, again, I think that the um, kind of the academic world, uh, whether it's teaching, um, study, teaching, research, service, to use the you know, kind of the mottos or the bylines of a Clemson education, um, they, um, they're a way, I think, for a student to, uh, particularly a student, to really understand um, the world that they that the student lives in, and, and most of all, what it, it becomes a background for them to think about what is God calling me to in life. You know, most students, you know, come to college here, and you know, they've got a career in mind, and that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the venue for them to fulfill the Great Commission. They're they're not going to preach the gospel in the highways and byways of Appalachia. They're going to do it in, you know, think tanks. They're going to do it as, uh, you know, architects, agriculturalists, yeah. and so forth. And and so, how is it that they, uh, how is it that they bring the gospel into those 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 ways of uh, of life? And, and, and that's a really thinking about that. Really great point to remember is that uh, we're all called to be evangelists. We're all called to to share the gospel, no matter what state of life we're life we're in. Um, it can be so easy for just the average uh, person to to think, oh, well, preaching and evangelizing—that's just that's just leave that to the ministers, leave that to the professionals. But the reality is, you know, we're all called to carry forth Christ's message, and we carry it forth in different ways. And I find that's the big challenge here: is evangelization so often can be uh, it's often it's so often understood as sort of catechetical uh, in the sense that as long as I sort of know my catechism, I know the, uh, you know, the specifically Catholic traditions of Christianity and so forth, and I can pass them on or talk about these to other people, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. And yet, um, and yet uh, as, as good as that is and as important as, as that is, really evangelization is, is how, do you, how do you change the world that we live in? For the for the better, how do we uh, how do we come to see what we would call I don't know ordinary work, ordinary life? How do you how do we how do we see that, which is the uh, sort of the way most how it is that most people live day in and day out? How do we see that as uh, you know fertile ground for for living the gospel values, which you know are are, are pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, if you go to Matthew twenty five, it's about how do we care for people particularly the hungry, the homeless, and that, you know, those in need, those on the sidelines of, uh, of life. And so evangelization is when you look at the structures of the institutions of life, like education and healthcare, and politics and so forth, how do, uh, how do we bring a set of values, uh, gospel values, into our construction of those institutions, our, what we do to see that those institutions thrive, um, uh, so that they uh, they become ways where uh, 
you know, people understand the value and the dignity of human life, which is you roll back around again and you're back at the, you know, the whole message of the gospel. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so there's a, uh, you know, a good student uh, and, a, and a good worker um, is a uh, good worker in the sense of, you know, a person who's, who's fulfilling his or her calling professionally, career-wise or so forth is a uh, you know is an important uh, apostle and an important uh, evangelizer not because necessarily they know the, the catechism but because number one they know their field and they know how it is that that field can uh, exemplify and embody the values of the gospel and uh, that's that's the big challenge I think today in uh, you know in, in college ministry yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense. And as I said already, um, it's just a great reminder to to all those listening who who do work ordinary, everyday jobs that you know you have a calling to to evangelize to your coworkers just as much as a priest has a calling to to preach to his congregation and. Um, you a lot of times have access to and and you have relationships that to 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 reach people and touch people's hearts in ways that a priest never could and so you're you're in those settings in the factory or in the the classroom or or wherever you work uh that these are places that priests never go and so it is kind of your job to to take that gospel message to these places where yeah, um, I think the, these people may not be exposed to church or have any I, desire to come to church. I think the most important event and, and essential evangelizers in the church are, uh, you know, what we call ordinary people, lay people. Um, Absolutely. Priests, uh, religious, our job is to, uh, our job is to serve lay people uh, in such a way that they uh, they become uh, you know really models of uh, of, of gospel living, and to uh, to bring that about uh, by um, uh, you know keeping them together as uh, uh, you know the body of Christ, the the, the life of the church. The uh, Jesus continues to to live, to work, to move, to to be in our world today. Continues to do what he did, you know, during the several years uh, you know that he was uh, with, with us was with us but he, he continues to you know he's, he's with us now um, he's with us now and, and we call ourselves his, his, his church yeah. and so people have to be able to look at uh, you know Christians and they've got to be able to see uh, what the people of you know, Judea uh, saw in, in, in Jesus so uh changing gears a little bit um there's been a a recent trend over the last you know five or ten years at clemson of more students from the northeast uh coming to school down down south uh and looking for places down south where it's warmer they can maybe escape the weather um and so we've had a, a recent influx of students from the northeast and a lot of those are predominantly Catholic areas. And so that has changed kind of the, the Catholic demographics uh, at Clemson. So could you talk about uh, maybe 
how that's impacted you and your ministry here, the, the, uh, the growing number of Catholics uh, at Clemson? I think what the, uh, uh, one of the things about the church in the north, or one of the things, let me back up, back, step back a minute. Um, certainly Catholicism in the, uh, in the northeast has uh, become, um, I want to say, I'll use the word institutionalized over the, over the years. Uh, those, were the, those were the cities, uh, the northeast cities, uh, where a lot of your, your, your Catholic uh, immigrants came during the great age of, uh, of immigration and, uh, and where they really established uh, themselves as, as, as faith communities. Yep, and they established hospitals and their schools, uh, schools and, 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 and all, all sorts this. of things. But in, in, you know, over time, it became so, so, so normal and so regular and so expected that... Um, that I think people took for granted what their faith was, and and um, and as these immigrants were, you know, hell bent on becoming Americanized, uh, you know, become flowing into the mainstream of life. Every American, every uh, immigrant group that, that came here has been persecuted in some way, shape, or form, and their challenge has always been, you know, how do we get into the worlds of, you know, of work and society and and so forth, and. Um, and Catholics really worked hard at that. They wanted to be like their their neighbors, and they were especially distrusted because of the very you know, the nature of Catholicism and uh, the uh, belief that uh, you know uh, we we obeyed the Pope more than we would listen to our own you know civil authorities and this that and the other thing. At any rate, um, you got a you got a you got a, a religion uh, in 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 the north where it it was just sort of a sidecar to you know what people were were hard bent on you know on doing and um and after a while it i, I think again it it um it, it ceased to be a um a really operative energy in shaping and forming the way that they thought and lived and the values that they lived by which is not to say that that wasn't there but um I, I, Certainly not in 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 a sense in the way in the South and and I would have you know while the South is clearly the Bible Belt and the you know this in the North the first question is what's your name and then you know uh, what do you do down here the first question you meet people what's your name and the second question is you find, have you found a church yet would give you the sense that this is all about religion down here and religion is alive and well well it certainly is um, in, in in one sense but you can find. Uh, you know, evidence uh, in Southern life where, um, you know, the gospel is really absent. Um, you look to the, the, the part of the country, there's, there's uh, uh, you know, severe health problems, education problems, uh, social problems, uh, still even after, you know, all of these years uh, past, uh, you know, the Civil War and, and so forth. So uh, whether it's North or South, uh, the challenge of... Uh, of all Christians to let the gospel, you know, really shape their values, their self-understanding, their values as uh, as members of the society has always been a, a challenge. In the north, it's yeah. uh, in the north, um, it, it's it's less comfortable to talk about religion than it is in the south, and so in that sense, northerners find, you know, I think that a little bit, uh, you know, uh, different when they come. 
uh, come down here. But the the challenge is, uh, you know, is pretty much the the same. How do we how do we take our faith out of our church and bring it into our life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's that's really powerful and helpful that you shared your your kind of perspective on the difference between um, the Catholic Church up north and and the Catholic Church here in the south. Uh, I think that's that's really helpful framework to to think about uh, that and uh, with an emphasis on like you said the the challenge is still the same no matter where the church is you know you got to get people engaged to a point where they actually take those gospel values that they're learning in church and apply them to their actual life Absolutely. in a way that uh, they can transform their workplaces and their families and their communities beyond the, the borders of the church itself. Yeah. The church itself and the sacraments, I mean, you know, as I'm always preaching here, the most important thing we do as a parish is celebrate the Eucharist. Absolutely. Because, uh, it, the Eucharist is, uh, you know, the, what we eat, what we drink, food for the journey, medicine for the soul, without which our everyday lives would really, really be lacking in, uh, you know, what God has called us to do. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, that perspective. Um, the next thing I'd like to, to ask is uh, something I like to ask um, all the different priests that I interview on this show. And um, you kind of touched on uh, some of it already, but what is your greatest joy as a priest? And then what is one of your greatest challenges as a priest? Well, I'll start the second one. The greatest challenge is, uh, you know, is... Uh the greatest challenge is preaching the gospel in such a way that uh, people can... can uh, they, they leave they leave mass they leave uh, you know the sort of the, the life of the parish the activities of the parish and they begin to they go back to work they go back to their neighborhoods and they say now what does what I have just done heard learned celebrated you know in church what has it got to do with what I'm doing you know now now home, yeah work this that uh, the other way that's 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 always the uh, the the challenge there. And, and the greatest joy is uh, seeing people who are interested in doing that and seeing, you know, slowly but surely it dawning on people really how important as, uh, particularly Catholics, because we're a hierarchical church, uh, really seeing how important Catholics come uh, realize themselves to be, that, um, that uh, you know, they have, a, they have a, a unique and privileged role in uh, Jesus asked his, uh, asked his church to, to do. And, and seeing, people, seeing people do that. And, uh, yeah, and that's so important. Is, 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 is makes, makes, makes my work, you know, and, and, you know, makes its purpose obvious to me then. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and as you said, that that's so important because as Catholics, particularly in such a hierarchical system, it can be so easy to feel, for certain people to feel like they're maybe not important or they're not engaged enough in the life of the church. But like you said, even as lay people, they have a privileged role to play. Um, and so that's a, that's a really wonderful reminder there. Um, so, uh, 
as we wrap up today's um, discussion, uh, I would like to close with asking you if you have any specific piece of advice for either me specifically or just men in discernment in general uh, as I embark on this journey of formation. I would say, um, I would say that, you know, the, uh, the experience, we, we talk about, uh, we talk about priestly formation, meaning that, uh, when, when we start this, when we start this, this journey, this process that you're on, um, you don't want to be the same person at the end of it. And so you're going to have to let go of certain things and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be a, you know, a learner and not, not just information, but learning in your, your own way of thinking about yourself, thinking about others, and obviously thinking about, uh, thinking about God. Um, Absolutely. I think that, uh, and, and, and to always, and to always keep the end in mind, um, what it is that you can do to help people appreciate the love that God has for them. I think that, uh, and that, that comes uh, packaged as your, your, your time, um, your, your knowledge, uh, sometimes just your presence, you know, with, 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 with people. And, uh, and to remember always that the, uh, that the priest is the servant of the community. Like I always, you know, sort of cavalierly say, you know, with these Christians, I work for you. Um, the, uh, the parish is not the pastor. The parish is the people. And uh, uh, I think that in, in preparing for, you know, for, for, for priesthood, um, uh, realizing, realizing that, that you're, you're getting ready to, you know, to, to, to help people fulfill their baptismal, you know, calling, that you're going to be there uh, as a minister of the sacraments and so forth. But what's important is uh, what reception of those sacraments does to people and uh, enables them to, uh, to live. That, Absolutely. You know, was not the case before. And yeah, you know, if you could come to church every day, but if you if it doesn't change your life, if it, if if it doesn't like you said, if it doesn't do anything to you, then then what's the point of even receiving the sacraments if they don't change you and inspire you to go out and um Exactly. And this this whole thing is not what religion is not what we do for God. Uh, it's what God does for us. Certainly, Christianity is what God does for us and what God asks us then to carry on and do for one another in his name. And I think keeping, keeping that in mind is always a, is a critical thing because you tend to, you know, get, uh, you know, you, you can focus in on yourself and the church as an institution itself or this, that, and the other thing, but always keep the, uh, you know, the end in mind. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you for being a part of this uh, podcast and taking the time. And well, it thanks was for asking me. And uh, yeah, you know, it was great I'm to. Proud of you. I'm, 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 I'm delighted that uh, God is calling you to this, and um, I, I think that um, if you do it with a uh, as generous a heart as you can manage, uh, you'll, you'll you'll always be happy. Happiness isn't always feeling great. It's uh, but it's knowing that. Um, you know, it's knowing that uh, you're in the hands of God and that, uh, you know, uh, you're a share with him in, uh, you know, in ministering uh, 
the Father's love for all of us. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again for being a part of the show, and um, we'll catch up soon. So as I wrap up today's episode, I just wanted to take a minute to reiterate a theme that came up several times throughout this interview with Father Dan, and I think it's a theme that is a great reminder for all of us, and it also is a theme that ties in very well with this week's gospel message of Peter walking on water and getting out of the boat and walking towards Jesus. And that theme and message is this idea that we are all called to share the gospel and spread the message of Jesus in our workplaces, in our homes, in our specific places of work. Uh, Because it can be so easy as an average Catholic to deceive ourselves into thinking that the, evangeliza- the work of evangelization, the work of preaching, is only for those in professional ministry, which is just simply not true. We are all called to be disciples. We're all called to go share the good news of the gospel. And it's even more important sometimes for lay people to be able to take the gospel message into their workplaces than it is even for priests to preach because the lay people can reach others, can reach the world in ways that priests never could. And so it's vitally important for people to understand that message and take it to heart and really strive to put Jesus at the center of their lives and not just leave it to the professionals, so to speak to spread the news of Jesus and to think that, oh, well, I couldn't possibly talk about that at work. But the reality is you can, and you have the ability to be bold and to, and to speak about the gospel um, at work and to model gospel living just simply by the way that you live and the way that you approach your work. Uh, the way that you approach your work as a Christian should be different And it should be noticeably different so that the world takes notice. Um, So anyway, just wanted to reiterate that point there. And like I said, it ties really, really well with uh, today's gospel message. Um, The priest in Kingsport used the story of Peter walking on water to um, reinforce kind of a similar message about putting Jesus at the center of your life. And he pointed out the fact that when Peter was totally focused on Jesus, all the storms and chaos surrounding him as he stepped out onto the water in faith towards Jesus seemed to go away and seemed to bother him less. But as soon as he started to focus on the storms and the chaos around him and his focus shifted from Jesus to the other things of the world, that's when he started to fall. And it wasn't until he turned his focus back to Jesus that he was able to um, continue walking on water. And so he used that analogy to kind of illustrate the fact that, you know, when we focus our entire life on Jesus and put Jesus at the center, then 
that's when we can really thrive. But when oftentimes we choose not to, and we choose to have all of these other things, and Jesus is a part of our lives, but he's not the center of our lives. And oftentimes we let work or family or whatever other responsibilities we have get in the way of us putting Jesus at the center of our lives. And that can prevent us from taking the gospel into our workplaces, into our um, social circles, all of these other things that we do in life. We have this tendency sometimes to compartmentalize our faith. And like our faith is just this one box over here, but it doesn't impact any of the other any of these other areas of our life. And um, today's gospel message shows the importance of putting Jesus as the center and the focus and having that radiate out into everything that we do. So anyway, just wanted to share that little bit of encouragement. Hope that helped some people and edified some people. Um, I know I got a lot out of that conversation with Father Dan and... Um, Really hope you enjoyed it too. So I'll go ahead and share my wink of the week moment and then I will see you next week. So this week's wink of the week moment also occurred today during mass, uh, or actually I guess technically after mass. I attended mass in Kingsport, Tennessee at St. Dominic's Parish with my friend Mickey and his wife. And following Mass, they had an introduction for the new associate pastor at St. Dominic's. And they had a welcome reception for him, and we got to meet him. And when I shook his hand, I introduced him. I introduced myself and told him that I would be starting seminary at St. Meinrad. And as it turns out, he had just come from St. Meinrad. He was just there. And so uh, that was a really neat little God wink to, you know, on my final Sunday before arriving at Meinrad, I literally met a priest who had just finished studying at Meinrad and had come back to Tennessee. So that was just a really cool little bit of confirmation there that I really am headed in the right direction. And um, that seems to be a trend in how God speaks to me. So Definitely uh, a really cool God wink there. And like I said, just really good confirmation that I'm on the right path and I'm moving in the right direction. So really looking forward to uh, settling in up at St. Meinrad and getting all uh, situated there. So I can't wait to share more about it next week. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the Future Father Dave podcast. I'm eternally grateful for this opportunity to share my journey with you. And I pray that in sharing my story, I can inspire you in your own spiritual journey.